athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program and the NBA world the HBCU world is saddened with the passing of the great Willis Reed the great Willis Reed passed away if you hadn't heard on Tuesday at the age of 80 Willis Reed and one of the all-time NBA greats and you know, a lot of times, and I've talked about this on the program with prisoners of the moment, if something is happening currently, it's like, oh, that's the greatest of all time. Well, when you look at Willis Reed's career, he truly was one of the greats of all time. And just like a great, you have to have sort of that signature moment, or it's, it's great if you, I shouldn't say you have to have, but it's great if you have sort of that signature moment. And in 1970, with the Knicks, Maybe on the verge of winning an NBA championship against the very powerful L.A. Lakers, who I believe at the time had Wilt, Jerry West, and Elgin Baylor, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And Willis Reed was injured in one of the games. He came back. He wasn't supposed to play at all. Came back, only hit four shots, or, or excuse me, two shots, hit four points, the opening shot, and it was like it fueled the Knicks to victory and the Knicks first NBA championship. And then three years later, the Knicks would win another championship in 1973. And it's really the stuff of legends. When you're talking about 1970 and specifically Willis Reed coming back. I mean, you know, I wasn't around during the time of Willis Reed, but like in studying history and really appreciating the history in general, and then specifically in this instance, the history of the NBA. That's like one of the most talked about uh, events in terms of Willis Reed coming back on the floor. You can, you know, if you look at some old clips, you can see the 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 fans just roaring, okay? And it really helped to fuel uh, the Knicks and that championship team. By the way, the Knicks were really, really, I mean, really, really good. You're talking about, you know, Clyde Frazier and, you're talking about Earl the Pearl Monroe, of course, of Winston-Salem State fame. So, listen, I mean, th- what a phenomenal, just a a great, and he was a, seemed like a good person. Like, I didn't, unfortunately, for the years that 
This program has been on the air. We never had a chance to have him on the program, but I did have an opportunity to have some interaction with him at the 2007, I, think, I can't remember, it was, 2000, it was either 2007 or the 2008 NBA All-Star Weekend. I think it was 2007, uh, the All-Star Weekend that was in Las Vegas. And just a gentleman, you know, really good to talk with. Um, and so a big loss in the NBA. Then, of course, he played his collegiate ball at Grambling, right? When we think of Grambling, you think of Eddie Robinson, you think of football, you think of some of the all-time greatest players to ever play in the National Football League. Buck Buchanan, you know, you, you, you have, you know, so many, I mean, Willie Davis, I mean, there's so many, you know, Willie Brown, I mean, Charlie Brown, you know, Doug Williams. I mean, you think of these great players that played in the National Football League, but you have Willis Reed, one of the all-time, I mean, he was, when the NBA came out with its 50 greatest players in 1994, he was part of that. Then, of course, part of this 19, or this 75-year uh, anniversary that came out uh, a couple of years ago. And so a big, big loss in the world of the NBA and HBCUs, Willis Reed, passing away uh, on Tuesday at the age of 80. A lot to get to. On today's program, we're going to talk, you know, some Rick Patino. Rick Patino, now the new head men's basketball coach at St. John's. So that's big. I mean, that, that's huge. But that's really huge for St. John's. Ed Cooley, the new head men's basketball coach at Georgetown. That's huge for Georgetown, right? Like we were just talking a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Georgetown and where the program is now and you know I mean for Ed Cooley to leave Providence to come to Georgetown that that doesn't happen where you move from a successful program where you're not they're not firing you you're not on your way out the door to a program that's in the same conference and we're talking about a big time conference in the Big East I mean you know Providence and Georgetown have some history maybe not some recent history but have some history uh, and it's big. I think it's big for uh, for Georgetown. It's big for the DMV because I think that was part of the problem. Like when you had John Thompson and even to some degree, you know, John Thompson the third, and even Craig Etrich, um, in between those two coaches, they were recruiting Washington, right? Like that that hasn't happened for whatever reason. Players aren't going to Georgetown from the DMV as they – it did once upon a time, uh, right? And it's not like all DMV players went to to Georgetown. I mean, some of the better players didn't. Did, well, well I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I need a definition. Maybe somebody can help me out, right? Somebody from the DMV. I need, and I'm from the area, right? But I need a definition of DMV, and I'm going to tell you why. The, the term DMV came about after I was gone from Washington, and of course, DMV stands for D stands for DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Now, when you say DMV, to me, it means Washington, DC as a whole, the Washington part of Maryland, and the Washington part of Virginia. So, in other words, in in Maryland, you're talking about, you know, Montgomery County, whether that's Silver Spring, you know, you're talking about 
PG County or Prince George's County, if, if that's Oxon Hill, for instance, or in Virginia, you're talking about like Alexandria, you know, Tyson's Corner, you know, places like that, McLean, you know, places like that. Um, but I, I say that to say, I mean, we're talking about, are we talking about outside of that? Are we talking about Norfolk? Is Norfolk part of the DMV? Is, is Baltimore part of the DMV? Because if so, then, I mean, of course, you've had players like Allen Iverson that come out of, you know, Hampton and, uh, 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 you know, Alonzo Mourning. I think, I think Alonzo was out of Chesapeake, but he's out of that, you know, that, that, that Tidewater area, right? Um, but I'm talking about within the Washington metropolitan area. Not a, not a great amount of players, but still, I think Georgetown gets back to, re- and, and, you know, Ed Cooley said as much that they're going to get back and, and, and recruit the DMV. You don't have to go anywhere. Like, you talk about DMV basketball is one of the best in the nation. It, it always has been. And the AAU scene is unbelievable there, right? I mean, you've heard coaches come on and talk about that when Todd Bozeman came on when he's the coach at Morgan State, you know, came on and talked about it. Um, so, look, you, you know, Jim Laranega, the head coach at Miami, when he came on the program, uh, I think it was last year he came on the program, you know, just talked about the unbelievable basketball talent in the DMV. Ed Cooley plans to tap into that. You know, I look at uh, Rick Patino. I think it's an excellent hire. Uh, you know, Rick Patino had a lot of success at Iona. He's been a lot of different places, Kentucky, you know, Louisville. I mean, he's, he's had, there's been some, um, you know, maybe some controversies at different places he's been. Of course, he's coached in the NBA, the Celtics, et cetera. But, I mean, I think he's probably at a point in his career where, you know, all of those, you know, maybe negative things that have followed him uh, are probably behind him. At least I hope so. And, listen, you talk about basketball, you're at St. John's. Now you're in New York City. Look at this. Look at the look at the dichotomy here and the dynamics of St. John's in New York City, Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Both universities get tremendous coaches and are going to don't have to go anywhere to recruit. I think I think St. John's turns around immediately. It's going to be one of the better teams in the nation, yet alone in the Big East. And I think I, I don't know. It will happen for Georgetown as well. But I think, you know, Rick Pitino is a much more established coach. But, I mean, uh, the thing about it, though, you know, Ed Cooley's been doing it for longer at the highest level and has had a lot of success at uh, Providence. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that bodes well for both St. John's and Georgetown. You know, I take a look at my bracket. It was shot, <clears throat> excuse me, after last week. <clears throat> and... I have, or I should say, had seven of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16. Um, I mean, my my bracket was just busted, and I thought one of the interesting things also with respect to my my bracket, I only had a few of the the Sweet 16 matchups, like three matchups correct. (coughs) Excuse me, Texas and Xavier, Houston and Miami, and I had Gonzaga and UCLA. Those were the only three matchups that I had correct. And uh, so this has been, it's been, I mean, it's been a, it's just been a crazy, crazy, crazy uh, NCAA men's tournament. So we may talk a little bit more about the tournament 
today here on the program. Listen, the ladies, in in a respect on this program, going to take center stage today here on the show. Brenda Freeze is in her 20th season as the head women's basketball coach at Maryland. She's going to join us on the program. A good matchup on Saturday, Maryland and Notre Dame. Going to get together in Greenville, South Carolina in the women's Sweet 16. So we're going to talk with Brenda Freeze today here on the program. Matter of fact, in the next segment, looking forward to that conversation. Of course, we've got plenty more on the program. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as the program rolls on. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline Travel Hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. That's 800-932-5517. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware.
Let's continue here on Box to Row. The Maryland Terrapins, 27 and 6 on the season, ranked number seven in the country. As a matter of fact, in the Sweet 16, going to take on Arizona on Saturday. Brenda Freeze in her 20th season as the head women's basketball coach at Maryland. 23rd overall, a 619 and 175 record. Very impressive as Coach Freeze joins us here on Box to Row. Congratulations to this point. Coach Freeze, and welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor for me. I can remember going back to 2006. We had just started this show about a year prior to that. You know, so when you're starting something, as you know, you kind of have your head down. You're not paying attention to a lot of the other things that are going on. My uncle called me uh, right around this time back in 2006 and said, hey, did you know Maryland won the national championship? And of course, as a Silver Spring native, I was extremely excited. Uh, and I think that was four years into your tenure at Maryland, 20 years in now. Uh, does it feel like it's been 20 seasons at Maryland? <laughs> it certainly does not. It has gone by uh, so quickly, but I've got to say I'm just uh, really, really grateful, you know, just given the fact that, uh, you know, just uh, the consistency of success. You know, it's really, really hard to do and uh, when everyone's gunning at you and, and uh, trying to, to take you down, but just really, really proud of uh, the success that we've been able to sustain. You know, I, I mentioned that record, 619 victories in a in in, in counting uh, by the way in a uh, 23 year career and I think what's interesting if you look at some of your top 100 all time in just 23 season but I think if you look at you know some of the great coaches and even if you look at Tara Vanderveer who's uh, who's of course still coaching um, she, you you all are right at the same click and clip in terms of 27 wins per year can you speak a little bit more to that and I mean that's difficult 27 wins a year that is extremely difficult <laughs> well you know I mean uh, you know it takes a village and you know uh, what I would say is I just uh, I'm really fortunate I've been able to have just tremendous staffs and uh, working hard be behind the scenes and and uh, just you know great players and uh, families that we've been able to recruit to, to help us be really successful but I, I think you know it all starts with you know, the foundation, I, I feel really, really fortunate that, you know, my, my parents, uh, you know, gave, you know, raised us and six kids and really showed us a, a work ethic from, from the tip. And that's something that I've been uh, really, really fortunate to, to be able to model. You, you mentioned your parents' family. So what was that like? Like your, your sister is still uh, in coaching at one time, was a head coach, but actually was an assistant under you. What, how was that dynamic? What was that like? <laughs> well, we were really competitive. I'll say that, you know, we were, uh, you know, two, two years apart. So, you know, we played on the same high school team. We both were really lucky to be able to get a uh, full ride scholarships on the, the universities. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, all my siblings, there was five of us. So we used to joke that it was uh, competitive just to be around the table and, you know, uh, get enough food, you know, have enough slices of pizza that, that everyone could get. So, um, you know, just feel really, really fortunate, obviously, to, you know, have been raised by, by such uh, great loving parents as well as uh, just the, you know, loving, uh, you know, relationship with my siblings. Brenda Freeze is in her 20th season as the head coach at the University of Maryland. She joins us here 
on the program. Your thoughts, Coach Freeze, in the round of 32, the victory over Arizona uh, last Sunday. Yeah, I thought our kids, you know, uh, played really, really hard. You know, as a, you know, every round you advance, uh, every team gets better. And Arizona, you know, not far removed, two years removed from going to uh, the Final Four and a you know runner-up as national champions. So, uh, you know, our our team was was really prepared. It was the game where we jumped out on them, and then they came back at halftime. But then. Uh, you know, we were able to, to really separate in, in the second half and uh, play the way we wanted to play. So just really thrilled for, for this group of players. It was a, a, a lot of new faces that had to transition, you know, given to our friend, the, the transfer portal and, and graduation. So we had nine new faces going into this season. So I, I, I can't say enough of just their ability to gel and blend and really, uh, you know, play for each other and put themselves in a position where now they're, they're one of the last 16 teams in the NCAA tournament. I think that's interesting. You mentioned the number of players uh, that are new to the program. So, you know, you're, you're in the fourth season, if you will, uh, of, of, of this season. Uh, speak to the, the – how, how were you able to regroup after the loss in the Big Ten tournament uh, to Iowa. Just just talk about how you all were able to kind of regroup, and now you've got two wins uh, in the tournament looking for a third against Notre Dame on Saturday. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for, for us, uh, you know, you always have to have perspective. And I know uh, we, we've all seen and felt like the Big Ten, in our opinion, is the, the best conference in the country. So, you know, you don't get too high or low. I, I really feel like uh, there could be multiple teams you know, we've got three that are in the Sweet 16 with abilities to, to get to a Final Four and, and beyond. So we really, you know, took that loss in the Big Ten tournament to, to help us get better and be able to use the practice time uh, to prepare us for the NCAA tournament. Again, Brenda Freeze in her 20th season as the head women's basketball coach at Maryland. She joins us here on the program. Let's talk some personnel and, I mean, we'll start with Diamond Miller. I mean, she's your team's leading scorer at 19.7 uh, points per game. Just speak to, you know, her and how, uh, how, how big she's been for you this season. Yeah, well, she, you know, it's been huge. I mean, she's uh, potentially going to go top two in the WNBA draft, and she's really, you know, been the catalyst and, and the leader to, to uh, take this program along. I mean, she's been here four years, and in her journey, she – she was loyal. She's uh, really, really talented, and you know she's really trusted the process to to bring uh, all of the the new faces and the newcomers along, as well as being named the captain for us. And then some of the other young ladies that have really stepped up for you uh, this year. Can you speak to um, maybe who has been uh, you know also big for you this season? Well, I, I think when you look at a Cheyenne Sellers, who's just a sophomore, she's made a massive jump from her freshman year to now. And just with her, you know, scoring ability, she's always been a great defender for us, but just has brought up her scoring, her rebounding, her, her assists have been huge. Faith Masonis is uh, a four-year player for us that was coming back off of a, a, a ACL, and she's been – our glue player. She knows the system, knows the the program, and uh, has just kind of puts everyone in their place. And then, you know, Abby Myers is a, a kid that we were able to get out of the portal 
that is a grad transfer from Maryland, Potomac, Maryland, came back home and, you know, is uh, giving us a really dynamic scoring punch that we needed to, to be able to have. In those two victories um, so far in the tournament, you'll have to forgive me. I know it as Coalfield House. Like I'm looking here, I said, it's, see, it says uh, Xfinity Center, right? I know it as Coalfield. So speak to the, the crowd and how, you know, the crowd and the fans and so forth have at least uh, helped you in those first two games uh, there at Xfinity Center. Yeah, I mean, our, our best six man, <laughs> you know, that's why you – work so hard during the year is to give yourselves that home court advantage to be a top four seed. And we had the best fans in the country and they've been there all season long for us. And we're a huge act X factor for us in uh, our game uh, to help us uh, beat Arizona and go on to the sweet 16. Obviously the, the transfer portal has helped you. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, I guess we're, you know, it's sort of a hot button topic in college athletics. Y- your thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole? Well, you know, I, I think it's not going away, and you have to be able to adapt, and uh, this is our new normal. So, you know, I was a coach that, that loved the journey in the four years that you got to, you know, watch players grow like a Diamond Miller, and I think you'll you'll continue to have players in your culture like that. But uh, we've also had a lot of great success uh, here at Maryland where, players that need, uh, you know, a grad transfer year and need to change, uh, love how we play, love our system, have had a lot of success. So, you know, we utilize the portal now. It's uh, our new normal. It's our new reality. And we just try to benefit uh, with it as best as we can. Last two thoughts for Brenda Fries, the head women's basketball coach at Maryland in her 20th season. Coach Fries, we appreciate the time. Women's college basketball is really, you know, I look at it the last couple of years. I was once upon a time in college athletics administration. Just can you speak to, you know, how it's grown, I would say particularly in the last, I don't know, three to five years or so? Just the, the exposure when, when you look at now – just uh, the amount of exposure on, on television, uh, social media, and then you just look at all of these crowds. Our game has really grown where uh, we're able to get that exposure as well as the talent. I, I would say, like, just uh, when you're scouting now uh, against other opponents, every roster has uh, so much deeper talent that, that you have to be prepared for. And then last thought, your thoughts on Notre Dame as you – uh, take on Notre Dame on Saturday in Greenville, South Carolina? Well, another great team. You know, both teams know each other really well. It was a team that we played earlier in the non-conference, uh, came away with a last-second uh, shot, a three at the uh, shot at the buzzer by, by Diamond Miller. So two really, really competitive teams. You wouldn't be in the Sweet 16 if you weren't. Uh, really, really good, and, uh, you know, both teams are different compared to when we played them in December. So, you know, uh, they they have, a, you know, uh, I think all five of their starters are McDonald's All-Americans, and, you know, it's uh, going to be a really, really competitive, intense game. Brenda Fries in her 20th season as the head women's basketball coach at Maryland, the Terrapins 27-6 and six on this season, going to take on Notre Dame in the round of 16 on Saturday, Coach Freeze, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Terrapins. All right. Thank you so much. Go Terps.
That's right. It is Terps, not Terrapins. You can tell that I'm old school. The Maryland Terps and Notre Dame going to get it on on Saturday. Up next here on Box to Row, switching gears, talking with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the granite stage them all and and be able to create history. It's just it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good, and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in FAM just because I wanted to major in business, and FAM, you had the illustrious school of business, and then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a black college, something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop Youth Football League has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Anytime we talk NBA here on the program, you know we're going to catch up with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, who knows all things NBA. But check this out. Grind City Media covers the Memphis Grizzlies. Again, he's the senior editor. So guess what? He knows everything also about the Grizzlies. So imagine talking to Mike on a regular day about the NBA. But now about the Grizzlies, we're in for a great treat. Again, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us here on the program. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Donald? Man, it's good to be on with you, man. And I just, I'm just humbled and blessed and glad to be one of the many, 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 many guests that you have on this wonderful show, man, and this platform. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. You're definitely inspiring a nation with everything you're doing there. Man, I, I, I really appreciate that, you, Mike. Listen, for you all that don't know, Mike's been coming on the show for, I mean, 12, 13, you know, 12 years or so. And see, when I was sports information director at ANT, Mike was the beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat, the, the Florida AM beat writer, that is. So Mike and I go back along. Yeah, yeah. And we both Washingtonians too, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. A brotherhood boy for sure, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. So listen, man, a lot I mean, and I text you one time. I was like, man, you got a lot going on right now. Uh but I want to get your take. Like, I've heard a bunch of takes about John Moran. You're right there. You're in the city. You're the senior editor of Grind City Media, the, the medium that covers uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Your thoughts on everything to this point. I'm, we'll get specific, but everything that has happened uh, in the John Morant situation to this point. You know, this is a, you know, the first and foremost thing is, is, is compassion and understanding. You got to take a step back. I'm a father of a 23-year-old black male in this country, um, you know, who's a musical talent. He's not a basketball prodigy, but, you know, my son is a musician and trying to find his way in the industry. And, you know, when you think about, you know, growing through maturity at this stage and at this age in the social media landscape, um, you know, you're going to make mistakes, man. And then when you add the resources and the millions and the endorsements and everything that Ja has on him and the pressures, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that he's going to be immune from making bad decisions, dumb decisions, mistakes. Um, but when you do make them, you know, you can't get away with them as, as much as a, as a common citizen would. But when you when you add in the, the – so that's the human element. I always start with the human compassionate element when it comes to Ja Morant and realizing that, you know, he could be my son. He's the same age as my son, born in the same year. 
Um, and how would I counsel him in this situation? Um, so at the end of the day, you know, this is a young man that realized, uh, you know, that he, he, he has a responsibility to himself first, his family second, uh, his organization third, the city fourth, and the NBA at large um, because of the, the blessings that he has. And, you know, he's gone through some ups and downs. He's learned from this, this situation. I had a chance to talk to him uh, earlier this week. And, you know, it, he knows that he still needs some counseling and, and needs additional help to get through some of the problems and the issues that, that surfaced uh, a month ago that led to an eight-game NBA suspension um, and, and some things and some details that have come out since then. So thankfully he's back around his teammates. He's back into the game that can be sort of an escape for him. And uh, as he continues to try to take this ongoing therapy and, and, and mental strength, mental health to help with his stress, um, you know, hopefully he can avoid any, any further hiccups to a major degree. So, you know, that's pretty much where it is. And then the basketball part of it comes after that, Donald. And, you know, the Grizzlies are going to be just fine. They found themselves uh, during these last two weeks that Jai's been out. Now he's back, and it's almost a seamless transition for him in terms of how he fits. And he's coming back to an even more confident and better team uh, than the one that he, he, he had to step away from uh, in, in early March. Yeah, he had a nice game on Wednesday in the victory over the Rockets. He had a nice ovation uh, from the fans there. You know, Mike, I'm going to tell you what's interesting, man. I, I To me, the the video was so... I don't. It was so eerie, man. Like it was, it was so eerie with the with the gun and on Instagram, and all that. And my immediate thought was, man, maybe this. It seemed like a lot of. He's got so much on his shoulders, and sometimes you just have to have a release. And I don't know. Maybe maybe that was his release. Obviously, you know, it wasn't the the right thing to do. But he's been so contrite since then. He's saying all of the right things. You know, can can you? I don't know if you can really speak to sort of the the, the treatment that he's uh, he's getting in and, and and now where he is in terms of his mind space at the current moment. You know, Don, I I can only speak to what he's what he's told us, what he's told me, what I've seen of him uh, with my own eyes. Um, you know, what I hear from those who are around him every single day, and you know, he's done everything that's been asked of him from the standpoint of, okay, let's try to take the steps to make this right. And, you know, when you talk about the mental space that he's in, the fact of the matter that he's saying right now, you know, he's, there is some discomfort. There's discomfort and embarrassment with having to work your way back into a team that the franchise had given you the keys to. And there's some discomfort with trying to figure out how to find your way back into a team that went six and three without you including two big-time wins over the Golden State Warriors, who've been your arch nemesis uh, for the last couple of years. Um, you know, there's some discomfort uh, stepping back into the lineup where he came off the bench in that game you mentioned on Wednesday uh, behind a Tyus Jones, who for now two years in a row has guided the Grizzlies to a better record, um, you know, in the games when, you know, Ja Moran has been out than the team has overall in terms of winning percentage when Ja Moran is in. So it's, it's one of those situations that, you know, he understands that, you know, he's a piece of this team, a major piece, um, but he's not the entire franchise. And, and this franchise, games will be played. Uh, they were played before he got to the league. The, the league will go on after he's gone. This is a blessed place for him to be right now. This is a, a, a privilege. And his mindset is, look, I need to come back a little more appreciative. I need to come back and realize where I fit in. And, um, 
you know, this is ongoing. And and he understands that. And I think, you know, he's he said the most important thing Josh said to me out of the, the whole nine minute and forty six second press conference that he did with local media was that, you know, this is a situation where I, I, number one, I know that I have to be better for myself first. And then number two, you know, it, it's I get it. I, I, I'm not the you know, I'm not the guy that can go out there and make these kind of mistakes and make these kind of decisions without there being some major repercussions. And I think he understands that now. He gets it. And, uh, you know, he's going to continue to move forward, and we'll see where it goes from here. He says it's one day at a time, and every day is a new day to redefine himself. And uh, I believe him, and I take his word for it. He said, actions speak louder than words. I'm not going to go to social media and express myself in this way anymore. i got to show him my actions. And I think you hit it right on the head, Mike, in terms of the way that the Grizzlies have handled this, because when you got a star like that, sometimes it's, it's you know, you want to coddle sort of that person. I think I think the Grizzlies have been extremely firm uh, with him in their stance. And to your point, uh, you know, the, he, they've been supportive, but they've been firm in terms of uh, sort of where they stand uh, with him. I think you hit it right on the head. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Uh, joins us here on the program as we talk some Memphis Grizzlies and NBA. Uh, Mike, eight games, eight game suspension is was by the NBA. Was that appropriate? You know, there's really no precedent for it. You know, I know a lot of people have talked about, you know, uh, uh, David Stern back in the day in the Gilbert Arenas, the 50 games, uh, the Malice in the Palace type situation, which was an out front publicly uh, played out thing. Uh, getting basically the duration of a season and then guys coming back the next season. Um, there's really been no precedent for, you know, social media behavior and, and you know, conduct and, and conduct detrimental to the team but to the league. Some of the language that Adam Silver used in a statement, uh, the press release that accompanied the announcement of the suspension, uh, said it all. You know, I mean, this is a guy, they, they acknowledged that it appeared that alcohol induced some of Morant's uh, decision-making, uh, in that moment, and uh, it was kind of detrimental to the league and the fan base and, and all of those kind of things. So um, eight games, uh, depending on what the cl- clinical uh, assessment was, is a start. Now, you know, they're not going to put John Moran in the facility and, and say he can't play until he gets free, uh, but it's one of those deals where, you know, it's ongoing. It's ongoing therapy. It's ongoing counseling that he's going to receive uh, and now he has the opportunity to to do his livelihood. So where to come? A lot of heads went into that meeting. A lot of heads, a lot of smart people went into that decision, and um, they came out with the decision that they felt was best and appropriate, considering that there was no findings of evidence of the, the gun belonging to Ja, um, the gun being in the facility or on the team facility, or uh, or, or anything uh, criminal in terms of investigations that went on locally with the police in Denver and, and beyond. So short of any of that, um, I think this this was certainly a decision that the commissioner felt was fair and the players' union felt was fair uh, because we hadn't heard anything, uh, uh, any backlash coming out of it in, in, the, uh, in the aftermath of it being handed down. What's these last several weeks, what's the, you know, what's the talk, what's the mood been like around Memphis as it relates to Ja? Just kind of numb. Donald, it's, it's really been numb. It's really been uh, a lot of wait and see, um, a lot of, hey, no, initially it's, hey, we're going to support our guy no matter what. I mean, this is a guy that Memphis is a city that wraps his arms around you, and, and then they can figure out, okay, what, what, what do we need? What kind of help is needed? 
Um, you know, but yes, the first answer is yes, we support you. Yes, we love you. Yes, you're our guy. Yes, we're going to embrace you, your family, and everything because you came to this city and embraced us. Um, that's the kind of place Memphis is. That's the kind of place FedEx Forum is on Memphis Grizzlies game nights. Uh, you see the community at large in this building, 19,000 strong for the most part every single time the Grizzlies suit up and you look across the crowd and it's diverse. It's, it's, it's older, it's young kids, it's middle you know, middle class people, it's, it's uh, working wage, wage class folks, it's wealthy people, white, black, Hispanic, men, women. I mean, you just see a, a wide swath of, of what the community looks like inside that building every night. And all of them are wearing, you know, Bill Street blue or whatever uh, uh, colors the Grizzlies are wearing on that particular night. So, you know, the, the mood in the town has been like, okay, we, when, when Ja comes back, we want to make sure that he's good. We want to make sure he feels the support and the love. And then we want to see him dunk on everybody, right? It's been in that order. It hasn't been the other way around. So the fact that this team has been able to win games in his absence and, and get back to playing some pretty solid basketball, um, that's also in the way as well, too. What have his teammates in his absence sort of been, been saying about the situation? You know, it, it starts with uh, Dylan Brooks, you know, saying that, hey, you know, and sometimes Dylan can say some uncomfortable things. Um, uh, or, or let some things come out that probably should stay in the locker room or stay among teammates. Uh, but he clearly said, hey, we, we talked to Ja, you know, pretty much every day while he was gone. And, you know, he's in, in decent spirits. We want to give him his space. But, you know, he looks like he's fit. He's working out a little bit. And he can't wait to get back. You know, Tyus Jones, the, the point guard that stepped in, uh, you know, and is on pace to lead the league and assist the turnover ratio for an NBA record fourth straight season, um, knows he could be a starting point guard anywhere in this league for the most part, but he's a backup here uh, uh, because John Moran is a transcendent you know, superstar. He's saying, listen, it's not about forgiving and forgetting. We're not going to forget what happened and what we went through. We're going to learn from it and move forward. And, and that's what you know, those guys are saying about John Moran. And those guys spent time in Salt Lake City at the All-Star Game just last month. It seemed like that was ages ago now. But uh, I know we're getting towards the end of March, but it was sort of, you know, the mid to late February when they were in Salt Lake City together. And Josh said the reason why he was happy to go back was because he got the experience Jaron's first one uh, going the first time. So, you know, Jaron is a guy that says, look, when Josh gets back, and he's back now, but when he gets back, you know, we're going to make sure he's right, and then we're going to get right back to rolling the way we normally do. And I'm seeing that play out. That's coming to fruition uh, every, every moment of every day now. And it's just a matter of, you know, making sure that Ja does his check-ins, making sure there's communication with the coaching staff in the front office. And when he has those stressful moments that, hey, he has reassurance, you know, they have the proper staffing around him and all the players as they've had all season long. And now you just lean on that a little bit more and utilize those things. Hold the line for me one second, Mike. We've got more with Mike Wallace on the other side. Has someone in your family lost a job recently? and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over the phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 
That's 800-507-3116. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at BoxToRow.com or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to row. Nobody covers the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies, and so for that, also, John Morant, as well as Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, who joins us here on the program. Check out his work at grindcitymedia.com. Also, follow him uh, on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. Let's talk about the Grizzlies. To, to the point, what winners of six of seven games um, uh, without John, whatever, however many games it was, but I mean, they did well yeah. uh, to the point um, th- that you mentioned. Just speak to that. And then, additionally, you have for years been talking about Jaron Jackson. I mean, for, for two, three, four years on this program, and it seems like this year's all coming together, uh, if you will, for Jaron. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you talked about Ja first. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, when, when, when you're around him and you're around his family and, and you see how close-knit that everything is and when you see, you know, what, what kind of player he can be, you know, he's the key that will take the Grizzlies from being – a playoff contender to a Western Conference champion. There's no question about that. That's the kind of talent that this guy is. And now when you see Jaron Jackson Jr., to your point, come along and, and find his own as well, because it wasn't easy. I mean, Jaron was here first. Jaron was the number four, four overall pick in 2017. Ja came the year after that. But, you know, Jaron was here and established himself um, as a franchise anchor. And then he had to look over in the next year uh, uh, you know, a once-in-a-generation type prospect came through, and he had to kind of resettle and reset and find his way and, and hear a lot of talk about, you know, who's the anchor of the franchise. But to, to both of their credit, you know, uh, they, they, they like each other. They get along well. And Jaron is seeing his game. He's grown into his body a lot more. Ja has been pretty much six foot three for a long time, right? Six one, six two, six three. So he just basically had to grow into that and, and find his – you know, find his, his bearings and play, you know, a little man game into a big man league. Jaron has to be a seven-footer now, but his, his maturity and his physical maturity didn't match up necessarily with what his frame was. And now, four years in, five years in, you're seeing him with the most complete body that he's had. His, his base is strong. His upper body is strong. He's able to score with either hand. He's beating guys off the dribble. His post-up game is strong. He's shooting the three. 
He's blocking more shots per game than anybody in the NBA. Uh, he's the first guy to average at least 16 points and 3.1 blocks since Alonzo Mourning did it uh, and, and Shaq did it. You know, those kind of guys are just, you know, superstar-type bigs. So, you know, when you look at everything Jaron is doing, he's on the streak now four, five, six straight games where he scored at least 25 points. I mean, now he's taking this level to an all-NBA-type level. We know he was an all-star. We know he's one of the front-runners for defensive player of the year. But he's, he's, he's making a late push for all-NBA if he can continue to do this uh, for the rest of his regular season going into the playoffs. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. I don't know if the Grizzlies and the Warriors are a rivalry. I'll, I'll tell you this much. The Grizzlies have put a whooping on the Warriors the last couple of times. <laughs> Further, yeah. as, we, as I spoke with you about, I really believe if John Morant doesn't get hurt last year in the playoffs that the, the, the Grizzlies win that series against the Warriors. So, what is this? What is this thing with the with the? It, it may not be a robbery, but it certainly is must watch TV. It's definitely must watch TV uh, for the Grizzlies. It's a robbery for the Warriors. It's a thorn in their sides, and you know they might not consider the Grizzlies a rival just because you sort of want to dismiss a team that you hadn't had to taste a whole lot of defeat against. And at the end of the day, the Warriors have four championship rings. You know, but the, believe me, there's no team that gets their attention quite like the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, maybe Boston, but that's at the finals level. Uh, but in terms of Western Conference, there's no team that gets the Warriors' attention or vice versa uh, like the Grizzlies and the Warriors when it comes to that. So, you know, I, I love it. In, in season, yes, it's a rival. These teams will have met. If they can match up again in this postseason, it'll be, I want to say, three straight postseasons uh, where the Grizzlies and Warriors have met. You know, the first year, um, you know, the Grizzlies beat the Warriors in the play-in game in Golden State uh, to get to the first round of the playoffs when they lost to Utah. Uh, last year, these teams met in the second round of the playoffs. And as you mentioned, John Morant didn't play the last two or three games of that series because he was hurt uh, with the knee issue. And Stephen Adams didn't play the first couple of games of the series because he was out with COVID. So, you know, the Grizzlies hadn't had a chance to play these guys in the playoffs full strength. And if they can do that this year, a lot of people feel like this will be an even matchup, if not, you know, favoring the Grizzlies. So, you know, we'll see. The bottom line is that Memphis has to stay in, the, in one of the top three seeds or four seeds because they will have home court advantage. And we know how struggling, how much of a struggle it's been for the Warriors on the road this year. So, you know, I think home court advantage could tip the balance uh, in, ter in terms of talent and advantage in that potential series if they match up. Yep, the Grizzlies, of course, sitting in second place right now in the Western Conference. Mike, what's up with the what's up with the Western Conference? Like, you you look at the four through twelve seeds are separated. Something crazy, crazy like what maybe a couple of games, and then if, as the further down you go, if you if you win if you win a game, you could jump up two or three spaces. If you lose one, you could drop two or three. It's crazy. Have you ever seen anything like this in terms of? One of the conferences and just the, I, I don't know, is this, is this parity in the Western Conference? I, it's, it's, it's parity, but from a standpoint of everybody's dealing with some issues now, right? And that's been the case for the most part. But I've never seen it, especially since the play-in has come in. And, and credit Adam Silver and the league for instituting a play-in because it added an extra layer of keeping the regular season engaging, uh, particularly for teams that, are not just completely in the lottery mix. Like, we know San Antonio, we know Houston, we know Charlotte, you know, uh, uh, Detroit. Those teams, you could just knock those four or five teams and put them in a, you know, throw them out of the league right now and get them ready for the June draft. Um, but everybody else is in the mix, you know, when you talk about what the play-in has done now. So when you look at 
anywhere from five, the fifth seed, all the way down to 12 or 13, you're only talking about a handful of games uh, that's separating those guys. You can go from potentially being in a 4-5 matchup uh, to being completely out of the playoff mix uh, in just a week's time. And, and, and that makes it compelling. I love it. And, um, you know, it's going to make for some intriguing matchups. I think right now um, somebody did some research, and as of today, the Grizzlies could match up theoretically with nine different teams, depending on the scenarios, uh, uh, where the playoffs uh, stand at this point. And it's only 10 games left for most teams. Wow. Last thought with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. And, Mike, we appreciate the time. Your thoughts on the Kings, man. What a season currently sitting in third place in the Western Conference. I, I got to say, you know, with the job that Mike Brown has done there, um, considering the expectations, considering they haven't even been in the postseason for 16, 17 years, uh, to me, he's easily the coach of the year, um, you know, for what he's done there. And, and they, re, you know, the front office has, re, you know, re, sort of reinvigorated that roster. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox has emerged as a, as a consistent leader. Uh, they put some players and some pieces around him that are phenomenal. Um, they made some trades to bring in some guys uh, that fit well along alongside De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, when you look at Sabonis, I mean, Sabonis is an all-NBA type player, and all-star. You know, you look at some of the supporting cast, and then you have that veteran uh, in there in Harrison Barnes who's stabilizing everything. Uh, this is a team that plays really, really, really well offensively. They're one of the best, if not the best, offensive team we've seen since the heyday Golden State Warriors. And no surprise, Mike Brown was on that staff, too. So it's one of those deals that if they can get there, they can score with anybody. The question is, are they going to be able to defend and try to win on the road? If they can defend and win a couple of road games too, um, that team is going to be a headache uh, in the Western Conference. They're not going to be an easy out. Uh, this isn't a fluke season for Sacramento by any stretch. And that fan base deserves what they're going to be getting. And that's home playoff games for the first time in almost two decades. Incredible insight into the NBA insider information <laughs> as it pertains to the Memphis Grizzlies. Mike Wallace, he runs it. Grind City Media, he is the senior editor. He joins us here on the program. Check him out on grindcitymedia.com. Also follow him on Twitter, at MyMikeCheck. As always, Mike, man, we really appreciate the time. Great insight. Look forward to talking with you real soon. Hey, anytime, man. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate you. Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, doing some really good things, HBCU college coverage, all of that, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies on their website, grindcitymedia.com. Next Sunday, it's the HBCU All-Star Game, the basketball uh, game that was played in New Orleans as part of the Final Four on last year, as part of the Final Four on this year. Very much looking forward to that game. And... Um, it should be a lot of fun. Listen, if, you know, Joe Bryant has been named HBCU National Player of the Week earlier this week. He's the guard from Norfolk State, and it's the second year in a row that he's been named uh, HBCU National Player of the Year. That is, he was a two-time back-to-back MEAC Player of the Year as well. You know, I'm looking forward to really seeing him play. Uh, so check us out there. Super excited about that. Thank you to Brenda Fries, the head women's basketball coach at Maryland. For joining us today here on Box to Row, also to Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us on the program as well. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support your box. Toro is produced.